This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. Just a moment ago, I had some Hennessy with some apple sauce and I got kind of woozy. What's going on? Did that, that, did that, did that rhyme a little bit? Uh, I'm confused now. You know what? This is what happens when you get two meat white women making fun of you. Hey. Hey. We are back. Did you SNL last night? I did not. Come on. You know the black Nikki killed it last night, actually. Nicki Minaj. Oh, good for her. Her new track calls Cardi B out, so you know that's going to pop something off. That's a surprise. Yeah. What track? I don't know the name of it. Whatever track she did on SNL last night. This is a. A staple white response. Hot take. (laughs) I don't know. It's her new album. So (laughs) like it, I don't, I don't know the name of the track yet. Give me like a day or two on that. Hippity bippity bop. Did you know the name of the song? This is America when he performed it on SNL. No, you didn't know till the next day when the video came out. I didn't watch SNL. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Loser. Touche. This is true too. Listen guys, we are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM WHCR, the voice of Harlem. And as the great Harriet Tubman would say every time she freed a slave it's lit my name is stanley fritz and you can follow me on twitter at stan fritz you can even do the same thing on instagram at stan fritz and if you want to talk to me on facebook you can do it but hurry up i already have a thousand friends which means we're only three thousand away from four thousand what happens when you hit four thousand you get a gold Level medal up. Yeah, you become a loser. So anyways, <laughs> guys, you can follow me on Facebook.com slash Stanley. Good here, Fritz. Don't ask. It was a college thing. I reopened Snapchat just to see what Marilyn was doing because she always posts snaps. So I'm on there, too. It's dark skin swindle, but I'm not in the studio alone. And before I shift it off to my team, I do want to say what up. Facebook Live. What's going on? You stream, stream team, talk to me. Of course, if you're listening on podcasts a couple of days later, we appreciate you. Leave comments. Leave ratings. Um, okay. Um, <laughs> I am Alyssa Fuchs. That Hi. was a little abrupt. Um, thought he was going to be like, and now for my colleague. Um, so and yeah, I, colleague. um, what? I was like, and now for my colleague. <laughs> uh, my name is Alyssa Fuchs, and I am your political and legal correspondent. You can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash Alyssa Fuchs. That's I-L-Y-S-S-A. F-U-C-H-S, if you're spicy, <laughs> um, or on Twitter, at Alyssa Fuchs, uh, uh, you know, where I have to say things uh, that are fun and spicy. That I get really spicy on Twitter for some reason. Do you know, there was, I just listened last week, there was a StoryCorps episode about a guy whose last name was Fuchs, and he got teased for it as a kid, and so he, like, went into school one day and was like, no, my name is this now. Like, he pretended to change I was gonna, it. I thought you were going to say he went into school and shot the school <laughs> up. <laughs> that um, is not what say, happened. Ugh, well, we are going to talk about that. that. Yeah, um, that tragedy. But you can also leave a comment on the Politically Preposterous fan page, facebook.com slash politically preposterous or poll preposterous on Twitter. Or, of course, on the Let Your Voice Be Heard radio page, which is facebook.com slash let your voice be heard radio. Or call us at 212-650-6903. Nice. Um, and I am Jackie Cohen and I'm happy to be <coughs> back and I'm like falling in my chair right now um yeah it's been a few weeks since i've been here but happy to be back on air with you guys and you can follow me follow me on twitter um at jackie cohen it's j-a-q-i-c-o-h-e-n you could see my hot takes about the subway they're not so hot wait send send her uh pictures of flooded subway stations (laughs) like the one i sent yeah exactly yeah where um apparently the mta thinks that the appropriate way to clean water up from the subway is to just i don't know that they did that throw some metros on I think somebody else tossed a bunch Governor of Governor Cuomo metro. went there on his own and yeah. laid down those three <laughs> and bricks. fixed it, right. <laughs> right. Put those like, metros on top uh-huh. of it. I, too, am an MTA, yeah. as Governor <laughs> Cuomo does. New yeah. York joke, guys. Yeah, yeah. But we got a good show. Um, we have a lot going on this week. Obviously, this was a this was a rough week across the world, I think, for... Except for, for uh, Meghan Markle. Except for Meghan Markle, right. Yeah. But, um, yeah, this what, what do we have going she on this really week, She really had family? such a rough week. So, for the news roundup, we're going to be talking about the royal wedding, which I did not see and Malcolm X's birthday, which I did celebrate with a multiple post. And of course, we have to give you our weekly Trump administration updates. And Don't forget what Paul Ryan said. He's new at this. So we had to be tender. And um, our and weekly school shooting. Yeah, exactly. Yes. I was oh, just going to say. Our weekly school shooting. This time you get two for the price of one. Yeah. And for our main segment, we are going to be talking about the Israel-Palestine saga as it continues. And it makes us all sick to the stomach and very upset. And for those of you who do not know, Israel killed 60 Palestinian people 
earlier this week. We're going to have an amazing guest, Linda Sarsour, on here to help us talk about this kind, this this big topic. So it's a big show. We're excited. Alyssa, are you excited? I'm excited. Jack, you're excited? I'm very excited. It doesn't excited. matter. Hey! I'm very... No, <laughs> it, it is such... what you think. It is such an honor to have Linda Sarsour on the on the show today having this conversation with us um and it was a particularly difficult week for many and so i'm really happy to have somebody who um is so smart and you know knows so much about this issue like linda to help join this Jackie's conversation uh, i am quelling yeah. you never said this we about fangirling no i never a, will say this about we gotta add a yiddish <laughs> word into this yeah. somewhere um, I also want to say what's up to my cousin, um, Arlington, who's listening right now on Facebook Live. I appreciate Just, you. We'll give a random shout outs. Yeah, man. Listen. Yeah. You know, give it a shout out to Dan Zlotnick, who's watching and uh, said, I'm hey. A, I want to shout out um, the, the racist lawyer on the Upper West oh, Side. God. Because oh, yeah. I just not because I like him. Of course, I don't. I <laughs> yeah. want to shout out the fact that he was able to his racist comments caused an amazing Mexican street party to happen right in front of his apartment yeah. uh, on very short notice, which is really a shout out to the activists that put yeah, that shout on out to New that York. happen yeah. um, and not to him um, but you know I do love how literally within 24 hours we can get a mariachi band playing outside of your apartment um, while tacos are passed out and be like ha 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 racist <laughs> <laughs> That is also very amazing. So, guys, you know, we do have to go on a quick break, but I want to get a good song for this moment right here. So help send me off. A mariachi band? No. Uh, um, okay, what are we sending you? Well, you know what, Alyssa? I was trying to be nice. Does that mean that you're leaving? Because I'm okay with that. You know what? I try to be nice, but not anymore. <laughs> nice for what, guys? We're going on a quick break. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard. Explain myself. You said you want smoke? I'm the chimney. I want all the smoke. All right, here, here's the <laughs> most important question of the week. Go ahead. Yanni or Laurel? Laurel. Who's hearing Yanni? <laughs> I... So People with bad hearing. No, uh, so there's a pitch thing, and it depends on how you hear pitches. If you hear stupid. And, like, so New York Times has a really interesting thing where you can, like, move the pitch slider back and forth, and depending on where you move the pitch slider, you'll hear one or the other. But, but you but, know, the thing that I hear the loudest mm -hmm. is uh, the sound of gunshots constantly killing our oh my God. <laughs> students. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Well, <laughs> I know. Rough. Whoa. <laughs> You, I don't think they were debating Yanni and Laurel. Like that. They were <laughs> because they were too busy getting shot by another school shooter. Oh my god! Oh my god! So you can tell it's dark. Tight. Dark Alyssa. Take it down. Dark, dark Alyssa. By the way, we are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on ninety point three FM WHCR, the Voice of Harlem, and that dark twist was through the news roundup, where we talk about our favorite news things that happened during the week, things that made you laugh, cry. Argue Yanni and Laurel or make really dark segment shifts. Yeah, like the one Alyssa just made over there. If you have a news story, you can give us a call at 212-650-6903. If you're listening on the podcast, leave a comment. We want to hear what you think. No, we don't. Yes, Facebook we do. Live, talk to us. Yes, we do. Now, Alyssa, now that you've taken us down this dark, deep road, Please give us more information. So this week we uh, had a school shooting in Santa Fe, Texas. It is the, I don't know, probably like 20-somethingth school shooting in the past year yeah. and over a 100th school shooting in the past, I don't know, 10 years or more. Um, and then to, you know, add insult to injury on the top of the fact that we had this school shooting where 10 people are, will, uh, were unfortunately killed, nine students and a teacher, that evening there was a second school shooting that a lot of people didn't hear about at a graduation uh, where I believe one or two people were killed. Um, and it's just like, you know, another day in America, right? Or as Childish Cambino said, this is America, isn't it? I read something and I, I don't know where I read this. It was earlier in the week so I have to figure out um, where it was from to back it up but I read something like more people have died in 2018 in school shootings than in the military yeah, yeah more kids. I saw that too that is insane when you think about it you know, when you think of the military, right, which is sort of meant for. <laughs> right. I mean, because when people sign up for the military, they understand that yeah. they might 
get shot at in a war not zone. That, not that like any is justified, but the yeah. fact that in a school where you're supposed to be safe, that more people have died in schools than in the military is, is unreal to me. You know, And I'll just add to that, and then I'll let you go, Stanley, yeah. which is like, this is a state where guns are everywhere, and so people are like, oh, you know, all the people who always say, oh, well, the good guy with the gun. There was two armed deputies at this school. There was multiple people in this community with guns, um, because after all, in Texas, like, I don't know, everybody has a gun for the most part. And yet the good guy with the gun didn't come to anybody's rescue, number one. And number two, apparently the guy who committed the, allegedly committed the shooting, although I hear he's now confessed to it, was up until the day he shot up the school, quote unquote, a good guy with a gun. Right, right. Um, They're getting dumb with their arguments. The lieutenant governor of Texas said that the reason the shooting happened is because, and I quote, there are too many exits in the building. If he only had one exit, there would only be one place for the shooting to get into. And he, you could stop him. He said we should essentially ban doors, not guns. Yes. And you know why we have multiple exits, right? What if there was a fire? Yeah, right, right. Holy Or a school crap. shooter, you know, and there yeah. was only one way in or one way and out. And they got in. Like, oh, God. Yeah, I know. These people will literally say anything that allows them to continue to coddle their guns. That's like a high level of stupidity. Where you say, we just, we, if we have one exit, everyone will be safe. I don't think they're really thinking about no, all the ways. No. But, Go ahead, Jack. I'm sorry. No, no. I don't think they're thinking at all, right? I think that the only the only logical answer is for sensible gun reform, right? Yeah. That right. is the only... Not how many doors you have into the building, right? Or anything like that. Like, they're willing to analyze anything but whether or not our access to guns is too lax. Oh, well, it's because yeah. they're always thinking with their small head and not their big <laughs> one. Can we talk about something happy, guys? This is really depressing. Uh, yeah, we can try. All right. How okay. Oh, I got something. How about Kaya got married? The crown royal wedding. Kaya, you remember? My neck, my back, lick my... Mm, 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 mm. <laughs> that was the biggest wedding this weekend. She was got, it? That was the biggest wedding yes, this weekend. She yeah. got married yes. to, to her man, Cedric. I don't know his name. And I'm surprised that it wasn't streamed on Instagram Live. Yeah. Because she's the Instagram People goddess. were talking about this other wedding. Like, I don't... What's like this. Oh, my God. This other know. wedding, though... Had so many good points. What was it? I, I mean, even... so, okay. I didn't get up in the morning to watch mm-hmm. it live. I DVR'd it because I wanted to see it. Um, <laughs> so, you know, we should always invite an, a black American pastor to a royal wedding where oh. the queen sits there and gets lectured about slavery and the power of love during slavery and makes everybody in the monarchy sort of uncomfortable. Why do you think, though, that, like, I didn't watch it. I, I love that that happened and there's, like, elements of it that I think are important. But like people in America go crazy for royal weddings, right? For royal anything. And like why? Because they Who love cares? monarchies. They yeah, love- right. It's like secretly, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. People like that I know are up at six AM, like ready to go. Like you could not get me up at six AM on a Saturday I mean, morning look, for oh, anything. Uh, for my own for my own wedding, I will not be waking up at <laughs> it, six AM on uh, a Saturday. You know, listen, if you would have told me that I was invited to a party where there was gonna be unlimited mimosas starting at six AM, then I would have been there. Oh god. I mean, because who doesn't want unlimited mimosas? Mimosas starting at 6 a.m. You know what? I've actually, shout out to those watching um, from UAlbany. I, I used to have a party at 6 a.m. with unlimited mimosas <laughs> for um, a couple of years. But no, I mean, look, the wedding was cool because, like, you look at the royal family and it's been an institution that has been, you know, of course, clouded in white supremacy for the entire history of the British Empire. Um, and, you know, also to know that the queen is only the queen. Queen Elizabeth II is only the queen because her father abdicated the throne so he could marry a woman who was divorced and to now see Harry not only marrying a woman who is divorced but who is also half black and to see her mother who is very black and who's the descendant of slaves um, in the St. George's Cathedral with a black pastor and a black gospel choir and there was a lot of African American elements to this wedding um, really shows that the progress that is being made and the more diversity that is being accepted by the royal family that was never accepted and so I think that is a positive thing. I don't want to pour cold hot Hennessy on this because I know a lot of my friends really enjoyed this, and I think we got to take joy from whatever we can get. But yeah. I just wasn't. I mean, I've been in love with Meghan Markle since season one of Suits, so there's that. So you were just but jealous. You were just jealous. A little, a lot of it, but also it's just <laughs> pay black people reparations for slavery. I, I, I'll take that over. Right, the it's not enough day. to just right. But right, like, I, get I don't listen. There's not like I've seen a lot of people giving hot takes of, oh, you care about this royal wedding? You're you're a sheep. No, it was a nice wedding. Meghan Markle's beautiful. Um, what's the guy she's married's name? 
the prince 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 prince, prince, Harry. prince, prince ginger yeah. he is a person that she loves that is good well and if you know anything about prince harry he's dedicated pretty much the past 10 years of his life to um help, well to helping people in africa um they from drilling wells to education to many other issues i mean he has um you know, spend a lot of time in Africa helping to, um, you know, improve the situations that many poor people in the the uh, continent are facing. Prince Harry also once dressed up as a Nazi yeah. with a swastika armband for a yeah. party, true. which is, uh, I just don't want to forget that little yeah, tidbit never where we all that. like fall head over heels in love with Before him. we shift gears, you know when I knew Prince Harry was down with the swirl? <laughs> Family. He was getting um, HIV tests like World AIDS Day with Rihanna, and Rihanna was looking like a snack as usual, and he was looking at her like she was a whole meal. Is it okay for and you to uh, refer to her as looking like a snack? <laughs> I mean, is that, is like that problematic? Objectifying, or is that right, problematic? One second, one second. Excuse me, blacks of Facebook Live. Please let me know if I can call Rihanna a snack. I no thought offense, you were going to ask Alexa. Hey, Alexa, can I call Rihanna a snack, or Alexa, is that offensive? That is a white robot, Alyssa. <laughs> I am offended. No, but we do have to ship gears, guys, because we're running short. We've got to you know, move on. But what I do want to talk about yesterday, May 19th, would would have been the Honorable Malcolm X's 93rd birthday. And let me tell you guys how much this means to me, because when I was 17 years old and all I cared about was basketball girls and basketball, I read the autobiography of Malcolm X and that book changed my entire life in the way that I think. And I will give it a thousand percent credit for as being the reason I am in the work that I am in today. Wow. And, you know, Malcolm X has been a a huge hero of mine and a huge inspiration and someone who was fighting for the black liberation of black people and all people in his own way. And because he didn't say things that people like, a lot of people pushed back against him. And I can relate to that a little bit. Obviously, no one near as great as Malcolm X, but, you know. I, I, I'm just really honored to like had had a leader like that in our t- lifetime. Yeah, and that's amazing to me that you can like pinpoint this one specific moment where you realized, you know, the things that you thought about. Like everything had changed for you yeah. by reading his book. I think that's really incredible and speaks to his his power, right? Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. I mean, look, I um, I, I have a lot of respect for Malcolm X and what he did. A lot of people. Um, have a misconception about Malcolm X and think that he was just all fiery. Uh, but the truth is, as you know, many of you well know, and I know Stanley, you of course know, is that Malcolm X was instrumental um, in providing food to low-income people living in Harlem um, and services and a lot of other stuff because the government, after all, was not providing it due to the fact that the government was a system that uh, was and in some ways still is entrenched in white supremacy. And so um, I think it's really important that we you know, bring that up um, because I think all too often uh, people and white people in particular uh, see Malcolm X just as this figure who was very controversial and very spicy uh, when yeah. in fact he did a lot of good work outside of some of the rhetoric that mm-hmm. he used to put out there. The problem is with a lot of our leaders is that they gentrify their stories. They right. gentrified Martin Luther right. King's story. They gentrified, totally. you know, Malcolm X's story. They, they don't even cherish Fannie Lou Hamer's story. And we really have to do a better job of making sure we uplift these stories and share these stories so that they don't just get lost in the wind do we have any final stories folks want to get out there before we go on break oh you know just another week in crazy in the trump administration <sighs> try and keep up oh god so hold on let me get this clear so the ethics department forwarded a, a formal complaint to the department of justice because of campaign finance stuff for the trump administration and then we found out that michael cohen was taking hundreds of thousands of even millions of dollars from the um Russian government, from the Chinese government, and all these other places so to, to put influence on Trump, right? Right. I mean, look, the biggest story this week, I think, wasn't really about Stormy Daniels or the Playboy model or anything having to do with that. It was like all of a sudden Trump started tweeting about saving jobs in China, yeah. which sort of didn't make any sense yeah, because all. of the fact that I thought it was like America, America first, first and right? like, let's make sure that Americans have jobs. Uh, but then when you sort of started to look deeper into it, you realized that apparently the Trump uh, organization is trying to get some kind of real estate deal done in China. Of course. Anytime um, that he tweets about anything, it has to do with him getting a real like estate the deal. Corruption <laughs> is so blatant. Alleged corruption is so blatant and in front of your face. Um, it's almost like they're not even trying to hide it anymore. It's crazy. Wasn't I, there... Uh, 
was it a onion article about Trump trying to put a new Trump suite of hotels in Jerusalem? Like anytime I'm he sure takes any is. foreign interest, it, it has to do with his own. You know, but I'm right. sure that Aunt Lydia will come on TV next week and try and explain to us how it's not as though as it seems. Oh, did I say Aunt Lydia? I meant Sarah yeah, Huckabee right, Sanders. Right, right. Anyways, on that note. Um, I think we have to take a quick break, but when we uh, come back, we will t- be talking about Israel, Palestine, and the ongoing situation in the Middle East. Word. We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM WHCR, the voice of Harlem. If you are just tuning in, this is Stanley Fritz. I'm here with Alyssa Fuchs and Jackie Cohen. If you are wondering where... Saliance, the queen of the radios, is she is in Oklahoma. I would usually say she's <laughs> normally, on a fun work trip. Normally, it's somewhere much more glamorous than yeah, Oklahoma. Right? But if you look at her snap, she looks like she's having fun. She's the only person I know that can make community service look like a well, turn. You know, look, there's a lot of churches in Oklahoma, so she fit right <laughs> in on Sunday morning. <laughs> She walked. She got out there playing and said, "I love you, Lord." <laughs> All right, oh, guys. Oh, God. She's probably going to hear this later on and be like, ah, (laughs) you guys was funny. All right, guys, we need to shift gears and get back on topic. To stuff that isn't funny. Yes. Yeah, really. Oh, God damn it. Yeah, if you were just tuning in, this is not going to be very funny. It's also going to be a little sad. So, once again, this is Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM WHCR, the voice of Harlem. And we just finished our news roundup story where we talked about things that make you laugh, cry, curse, flip a table, or just sit in confusion. And this next conversation is probably going to make you sit in more confusion. And I'm quoting this first piece right here from a news article um, that I got earlier today, but bear with me. Palestinians buried the dead on Tuesday from the bloodiest day in Gaza in years. And why was it the bloodiest day in Gaza in years? Well, because while Israel was celebrating the opening of a Jerusalem embassy that the United States government has been complicit, and not just complicit, but actually open on their behalf, despite warnings from everyone all over the world saying this is not a good thing, and despite protests from Israeli people, while this was happening, Israeli forces killed 60 Palestinians near the Gaza-Israel border during demonstrations against the opening of the U.S. embassy. These were peaceful protesters. They did not have weapons on them, and they were shot dead. Israeli forces also shot a reporter, and they shot some medics. And on Tuesday, they shot two more people. And while there's been lots of outrage and there's been lots of protests, the protests seem to have waned the following days because so many people had to go and mourn the deaths of their loved ones. Mm. People on the ground who have been able to see the people who've been shot, particularly medics who've been on the ground, have talked about the bullet holes being so big, there's literally nothing you can do. It's in, it's huge holes the size of your fist in people's bodies. That's the kind of aggression that's happening to the people of Palestine and Israel right now. When being pressed for why Israeli forces use this kind of aggression, they said that Israeli forces can only use this kind of aggression when they are being attacked with equal aggression or someone is using terrorist behavior. What does terrorist behavior mean? I don't know. Probably the same thing that it means if you feel like your life is in danger against a black person who doesn't have a weapon. As I continue, one of the things that you should know about the Israel-Palestine relationship is that it is one that has been fraught in racism, apartheid, aggression, and disrespect for more than 70 years. And because the story is very complicated and there's multiple sides to it, we've always had a hard time talking about it. But what you should know right now is that the people of Palestine are living in an open-air prison. The people of Palestine, who have had much of their land taken away from them and are cut off to a small section of the country, have the following problems. 95% of their water is undrinkable. They only get four hours of electricity a day. Their unemployment is over 45%. 46% of their kids suffer, suffer from acute anemia, and 50% of their kids express no will to be alive. Mm. Literally, and they're cut off from all the borders. They can't just escape if they want to because Egypt has one side, Israel has the other side. They control the water, they control the air, they control everything. So they are stuck. And while everyone's having a debate of whether Israel has a right to to have their home and other people are saying that we need to free the people of Palestine, it seems to get caught up in this big mess of I don't want to be anti-Semitic or I don't want to support terrorism. And it's not that simple. And we want to have this conversation today so that you folks can kind of understand the nuances of it. And to help us with this conversation, we have a wonderful guest, somebody I am very excited to introduce. And her name is Linda Sarsour. 
And if you don't know who she is, I will give you a fast and loose explanation. How do you not know who she is? She is the mother-loving boss. Put some respect on her name, beloved. But <laughs> yep. to read her bio, what, Linda is a working woman, community activist, and mother of three. She's an ambitious, outspoken, and independent leader in our communities, organizing with Muslim groups, organizing with the Women's March, organizing to shut it down and stand up for the lives of black and brown people. And if I get my wish, Linda will someday be the governor of New York. She can definitely take the place of Governor Cuomo because he's trash. And Linda is going to help us with this conversation, and she is on air right now, so I will stop talking and just let her have her words Hello, Linda. How are you today? Oh, looks like we're having some technical difficulties. We will get her on here as soon as we can. But until I'm then, here, oh, yeah. I'm here with y'all. There we go. Oh, probably the delay. All right, so Linda, if you have the Facebook Live on, just mute it because the delay is real. Facebook Live, if yeah. you let me see this delay. I'm sorry, guys. Morning, Linda. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for being here with us today. We definitely I'm very happy to join you. Thank you. So, Linda, you know, I want to kind of start the conversation off on you for a bit. Um, you know, the way that I found out about Palestinian p- people being murdered was not on the news. I saw you tweeting about it. Mm-hmm. Well, how, how did you like how did you find out and how, how, how did you feel when you first started to get this news into you? You know, I want people to know that I'm Palestinian-American uh, and I have ties to the land, family, friends. And I, and I follow a lot of people from Gaza in particular on social media and was able to hear firsthand as soon as it happened, similarly to what happened in Ferguson when we were able to see and uh, kind of what was happening on the ground before even the media was picking it up. And that's how I got access to a lot of that information. I think what's important to understand is that people are trying to say there's two equal sides, there's like some sort of conflict, there are clashes between two peoples, and that's really problematic, and I've been challenging the media for the past week on those types of framing. We're talking about a people who live in an open-air prison. These are people that you, as you said, Stanley, are like caged animals. Um, They are not able to leave, or people are not able to go into Gaza, limited electricity, limited access to water. And here we are, you know, we've had uproar in this country around places like Flint. This is like the everyday life of Palestinians in Gaza not having access to clean water. So you also have to remember these are people without a military. They have no, they have no tanks, no snipers, no airplanes, no missiles. Uh, they don't have really, you know, the same equal resources to fight and be part of any sort of clashes. These, this march that has been going on called the Great Return March has been going on for a few weeks now, as you know. Thousands have been injured. And what people also need to realize is that this is not like somebody was doing a shooting spree and then people, 66 people dropped dead. That's not how this happened. These are people that were killed by patient, calculated, quiet snipers. So snipers are a particular type of weapon that has to find their target and it shoots them very quietly. And you may not even know it's happening until you see the person drop dead. So this is not like some Israeli soldiers went, you know, took an AR-15 and started shooting a whole bunch of people, and they all fell to the ground. Every single person that, that, that that got killed was targeted to be killed. And, you know, people are saying, why are the people of Gaza going to the border? They know they're going to be met with violence. You know, this is not strategic. And, I'm, and I basically tell people, for those who laud the civil rights movement, would you have told that to Dr. Martin Luther King and the people who went over the end? knew on the other side that they were going to be met with violence and they were going to meet Bull Connor, who was waiting for them. The, the idea that Palestinians are not allowed to protest on their land, protest for dignity and freedom and liberation, um, is really outrageous because we and all of us and all of you on this show are, are social justice activists, and every day we're fighting for dreamers, we're fighting for black people, we're fighting for undocumented people, LGBTQ people, we're, we're fighting for Muslims and refugees, and every day we stand up and, and we fight, and we sometimes are, you know, in the face of the New York Police Department, who, as you know, during the days of Occupy and during Black Lives Matter protests haven't exactly been nonviolent, that we still go because we want to stand up for what we believe in and the Palestinian people need to be able to do the same. So it's, it's not really that complicated, in my opinion. Um, and the one thing I will say for folks you know, who say, but don't you believe that the Jewish people deserve a safe homeland? I absolutely do believe that. 
what people need to understand is that in order to have created a safe homeland for Jews, it was at the expense of the Palestinian people. It was in order to create a Jewish safe homeland, we had to displace 750,000 Palestinians, kill them, take their land. And now Palestinians are one of the largest refugee communities in the entire world. So we have to ask ourselves, how do we create safety for one group of people at the expense of the safety and the dignity of another group of people? And that's a very hard conversation to have, but really it is that it's very simple. No one should accept safety for themselves at the expense of safety. Thank you so much for that, Linda. So I, I, I want to open it up to the, to the floor now. I know, Jackie, you've you had your hands up. You want to say something? Yeah, I and think. Your, oh, sorry. No, I just want to say give your reaction to what Linda said as well. No, I, I appreciate so much what Linda's saying. And I think what's so notable, you know, so I'm Jewish and I've never been to Israel. Um, I, as an American Jew, have the opportunity to take part in a <laughs> program called Birthright, which sends me to Israel for 10 days for free, for a free trip to Israel. I've never been there. Um, I'm not, I was not born there. Um, and, you know, I was raised in a, in sort of a context of, you know, we deserve, this is your right by birth, right? This is your land. And, you know, you have the opportunity to go there and have this amazing trip. And it wasn't until I was much older when I started to learn that people who were literally born there, right, whose right by birth it should be to, to have access to this land can't even go, right? Many of whom have family members that still are there and they can't even go see their family, even in a land where they were born. Yet I can go as an American Jew and have a 10 day long, you know, all expenses paid trip um, to this place that I've never been. And I think what Linda said that struck me so much is, you know, that Jewish liberation and Jewish protection and freedom, it cannot ever come at the expense of another group of people. And I know that there are thousands and thousands of Palestinian refugees um, that were expelled from their homes. I read somewhere that there's something like 6 million Palestinian refugees across the world now, which is, I, I don't know if that number is completely accurate, but that was so striking to me that, you know, 6 million Jews is what we talk about as being killed in the Holocaust. And there are 6 million Palestinian refugees that um, sort of as a result of our uh, presence in this land have been expelled to other parts of the world. So, you know, I think that um, you, and something I've been doing, I, I organized with a group called If Not Now, which is uh, a group of young Jewish people and uh, seeking to end American support and American Jewish support of the occupation in Palestine. And I think what's so important is to do some unwiring for especially for young Jewish people that like myself that were gr that grew up thinking that this is normal and this is right um, and taking a step back and questioning what's happening here and understanding. I mean, I've been called anti-Semitic for my views on Israel, which I think is outrageous. And Aren't you Jewish? I am Jewish. I am Jackie Cohen. I'm a proud Jew. I went to Hebrew school. You know, I, I live a Jewish life or whatever that means. Um, you know, it, it's it can be scary to take a step back and question what we've been told our whole lives as being false. But I think it's critical. I think it's imperative to our Jewish values to do that and to question what's happening here. Um, all right. Well, now that Jackie just said everything that I was going to say, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'll just uh, go take a nap in the break room. No, I'm kidding. Um, so, yeah, I'm Melissa Fuchs. I'm also Jewish. I actually have taken the... Uh, uh, Zionist propaganda tour that Jackie speaks of, which was actually a really great trip. But, you know, if you don't necessarily, you know, listen to all the Zionist propaganda that they throw at you when you go on the trip, then you actually realize that there are many, many um, beautiful people living in Israel that do not agree with the Israeli government on this issue, um, that are not for the oppression of Palestinian people, and that stand against everything their government stands for currently. Um, but, you know, that said, uh, my reaction is this. As a Jew, one of the things that I was always taught was, you know, never again, that like Jewish people were oppressed. They were put into ghettos and open air prisons in Poland. They were then sh put on trains and shipped off to death camps to be killed. Um, and not only is that never again supposed to be about Jews and that never happening to Jews again, it is also a thing that Jews are supposed to take and say, when we see other people being oppressed, we are supposed to stand up and say never again, because if it could happen to us, it could happen to other people. And to see Jewish people in Israel using this idea of safety and security uh, to oppress another people and to hold them 
in what essentially amounts to an open air prison mm-hmm. and to build settlements and continue to build settlements even after they say they're not going to on land that they say they will set aside um, when in fact they are not setting that aside that land and then to in you know not even indiscriminately shoot at people literally as Linda said to use sniper rifles yeah. uh, to target people and kill them uh, it makes me so disappointed in Israel as a Jew um, and just in the Jewish people in general that they would perpetuate the very thing that they should be standing up against this man i didn't know they were going after these people with sniper rifles i'm i'm, I'm a little shocked guys uh so l- listen we, we do have to go on a quick break when we come back we, we mentioned that one of the reasons that these folks were protesting was because of the new jerusalem embassy and when we come back i want to give linda a chance to explain like why the opening of a jerusalem embassy is such a big deal and why we should care about this this is let your voice be heard And we are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM WHCR, the voice of Harlem. If you were just tuning in, this is Stanley Fritz. I'm here with Jackie Cohen, the loser over there. Hey. And of course, I have Alyssa Fuchs with the snapback. Yo, you're the snapback mommy. Yeah, and, baby. And if you're just tuning in, guys, we've been having a very deep and honestly just upsetting conversation about the Israel-Palestine conflict or what seems like a one-sided slaughter right now. <laughs> and we have a wonderful guest, Linda Sarsour, on a call with us. I want to throw it to Jackie because I know she had a question for Linda. Yeah, so I think um, I, a question to help our, our listeners and viewers better understand, you know, why is it uh, such a big deal for the United States to move uh, the U.S. Embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem? And then, I guess, furthermore... You know, why why was it a big deal for folks um, that maybe don't understand this bigger conversation um, to pick the day that they chose, which is known as Nakba Day, um, to move the, the embassy? Why was that a big deal? First, I wanted to say to Alyssa and Jackie how, um, how much I appreciate you. And really, um, what I've learned about Judaism over the years has been from wonderful organizations like If Not Now and Jewish for Racial and Economic Justice and Jewish Voice for Peace, people who have decided to use their faith in action and and teach us what justice looks like as part of the Jewish faith. So I want you to know that you are what true allyship looks like. When people say, how can I be an ally in these movements? You have embodied the exact definition of allyship. So I appreciate you both very much and all your colleagues and comrades who continue to join you um, in these conversations and in these actions. The reason why it's very Thanks. problematic for the, um, U- the American embassy to, move, to be moved to Jerusalem is because Jerusalem is a shared land. Um, and both Jewish pe- uh, people of Israel and uh, obviously Palestinians declare that Jerusalem is their capital. So to, in, to move the American embassy to Israel, it reinforces that Jerusalem is the capital of Israel which has outraged not just the Palestinians, but the international community that has told our misinformed, irresponsible, idiotic president that that's not really a good idea right now. And in fact, it does not bring us closer to a peaceful solution, which we've been all dreaming of and working towards many for the past seven decades. And to make matters worse, they chose to do it on the, the, the Nekba day. And Nekba is an Arabic word for catastrophe. And it is the day that Palestinians commemorate 70 years since the creation of the State of Israel, which for them was displacement and disposition and losing their land and becoming refugees in the West Bank, in Gaza, and in other parts of the Arab world and obviously around the world. So the fact that the American government and the Israeli government chose to do it on that day is so irresponsible and really throws, you know, gas on the, on the already fire that was already there, and in particular around the Great Return March that was already happening. So this was just one part of a larger kind of story where there was already marches happening so that people weren't protesting directly because of the embassy, but it happened to be on the same day that they were commemorating these 70 years, and Palestinians and allies were commemorating the Nekba all over the world. So, so the, the Israeli government, and I think it's very important what you said, because you know, in America, people will criticize our government, but we know that many and maybe even the majority of American people do not stand by the policies of the U.S. government, not under this administration and not on, under administrations before that. 
just like we know there are people in Israel and Salem and many human rights organizations and, and folks who have been standing up calling for the end of the occupation. So I want people to understand this is not about Israeli people. It's about the Israeli government who has a political party similar to our Republican Party called the Likud Party. They are a right-wing party that does not reflect the values of Israelis in Israel who have been protesting alongside Palestinians within the, uh, within Israel proper, but also standing with Palestinians in the West Bank and in Gaza and around the world, calling for an end to occupation and calling for an end to the siege on Gaza. So this is not about two people fighting. It's about power. It's about, um, really, it's mostly about power, right? And it's about our government, who continues to be an imperialist government. I don't care who the president is. This is not just about Trump. We have never been good on this issue as a nation. Probably the best president we had on this issue is Jimmy Carter. But other than that, we really, as a nation, have never taken a real stance, but also have never been real honest brokers in this conflict. No, absolutely. You know, we were talking about it being an ill-advised decision. I mean, obviously, I agree it's ill-advised to move the embassy and especially to do it on the day it was done. But I also feel like they made this decision on purpose. They were doing this to try and incite people. And they were doing this because they wanted to be able to say, um, look at all these violent people. Right. Because that's that's always the mantra that comes from the Likud party and comes from the right. Um, And you hear this from a lot of people. Well, they'll say things along the lines of, um, you know, well, Hamas is is telling people to do this and they're telling, you know, they're a terrorist organization and that these protesters aren't peaceful and, you know, they were they they're being directed by their terrorist government to come into Israel and try and kill people and, you know, that's why we have to do those things. And and obviously that is a bunch of propaganda. So I was hoping that you could explain, Linda, uh, to our listeners why that kind of thinking is wrong and how the Israeli government, for lack of a better term, pokes the bear and then turns around and tries to blame the victim. Yeah, Yeah, so let us get some things clear on Hamas. Hamas is a political uh, organization that the United States government and a couple of uh, countries, including the UK, have designated a terrorist organization. They, in 2006, there were elections in Gaza and Hamas, which was really more so an alternative to Fatah, which had a Fatih party, which had really failed the Palestinian people. They had no other alternative. So you had Fatih or Hamas. That really were the only two choices that you have. Similar to the two choices that we have in the States, people either vote Republicans or Democrats. And that's the problem with these kind of lack of choices. So they people voted in Hamas as an alternative, which was all the way back in 2006. We're in 2018 right now. It's 12 years. What people also don't understand is that in Gaza, 50% of the population of Gaza is under the age of 18, which means that they did not vote for Hamas or anybody else. So the collective, this idea of collective punishment on an entire people because you don't like who is their leaders is absolutely outrageous. And we would never, ever use that excuse or even buy that excuse in any other country in the world, in any other territory in the world. So the fact that we're punishing the entire Gaza Strip because Hamas is their leadership, is outrageous. And there has not been any election since 2006. So we don't know if we gave the people of Gaza an opportunity at another election. We don't know how that election would go. But it doesn't justify a siege. It doesn't justify the open-air prison, the conditions in which the people of Gaza live in right now. And, 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 the, and the fact of the matter, and there was a piece in the New York Times that was actually written by one of the folks that organized this protest, the Great Return March, and he particularly was very clear and said, look, I'm not even part of, affiliated with Hamas. There were different political factions within Gaza who came together, people who were affiliated and obviously thousands who joined them who are not affiliated with the party. And also, what does it mean to be affiliated with Hamas? Like, what do you have a, does, do you have a card membership? Like, how do the Israeli snipers know who's affiliated and who's a terrorist and who's not a terrorist? And also, an affiliation with a group so as long as you're unarmed, does not justify you getting killed by live ammunition. So even if they were, um, you know, if some of the men did have some sort of official affiliation, which I don't understand how people would know that, if they were unarmed, they don't deserve to die. And that's another conversation. It's like, what is this conversation where we're always justifying and finding every excuse for why people should die? versus every excuse why people should live. And we do the same thing when a young black man or woman is killed at the hands of the police. Why did they, why did they kill them? What did they do before they got shot? 
What is their criminal record? What did they do 10 years ago? So we're always looking for excuses to justify murder. I never want to be that person. I never want to justify the murder of anybody, whether they be Palestinians or Israelis. And to be very clear, during the past few weeks of the Great Return March, not one Israeli has been killed and not one Israeli has been injured. And you know what? That's a good thing. I don't want Israelis injured. I don't want Israelis killed. I don't want innocent civilians to be killed in this, both on the Israeli side or the Palestinian side. And I hope that's how people are going to look at this, this current situation. We don't want anybody to die. We don't want to shed blood. And unfortunately, the blood that's being shed is the blood of an oppressed people that have been living, again, in, in, in particular in Gaza, under an 11-year siege. And we can't expect them to roll over and say, you know what, I'm just going to live in perpetual you know, containment and confinement for the rest of my life. And, and, and Stanley said it earlier, the, um, the mental health issues, and particularly amongst young people who have nothing to live for. They absolutely have no hope. Where They have nowhere to go. They can't dream of a career. They, they, you know, it, 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 it's, a, it's like you get a couple of kids that might get a scholarship here and there. And you know what? It, it, Israel gets to decide whether, the, whether those kids are worthy enough to leave Gaza. But it's a dire situation, and I hope people who engage in these conversations are having a nuanced conversation. But please do not try to justify murder, because that, is, that takes away from our own humanity and the humanity of those who are justifying their murder. Wow. Thank you so much for that, Linda. So, guys, we are running short on time, and I want to give folks like, some time to get some closing thoughts. Alyssa, um, I'd love to hear like some final thoughts from you on like, where we go from here. I mean, look, my final thoughts on this is similar to my opening thoughts, which is, you know, uh, uh, just as Jewish people, if you're Jewish, obviously, you have to be on the front line of speaking out against this kind of thing. Um, you know, we have to make very clear that speaking out against the right-wing Israeli government and speaking out against oppression is not anti-Semitic. It is not attack on all Jews. Nobody thinks that, um, you know, that it, or nobody should think uh, that just because you stand up for oppressed peoples that you are anti-Jew or that you want to see bad things happen to Jews. And and Jewish people have to take it as a moral imperative uh, to stand up against these things. Um, As a bigger picture issue, obviously not everybody's Jewish, um, so not everybody's in the same boat as me, you know, to take that moral imperative, to talk to your friends and family uh, from that Jewish perspective. But there's other things you can do uh, like getting involved with uh, groups that work on these issues. There's many non-for-profits here. Obviously, if you're Jewish, one of them is, if not now, organization Jackie's part of. She can speak more about that. There's Jews for Racial and Economic Justice that is doing great work. Um, you know, obviously, uh, there there are many ways that we can take action. And the biggest thing, though, is to continue to speak out against things like this um, and do it in a way where you're speaking from a position of facts, where you're giving people the correct information, where you're not speaking uh, from a place of propaganda. Propaganda, um, and, you know, to continue to highlight these issues on the international and global level. You know, I don't know if you've ever seen the It's Always in Sunny in Philadelphia, the team or the gang solves North, North Korea. Mm-hmm. You know, this is Alyssa solves the Middle East. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that the solution is that there has to be a two state solution and that they have to figure out something to do with Jerusalem, whether that's making it an international city that is owned by nobody. Um, there are a lot of practical problems that would need to be worked out to do that. But ultimately, I think that there there will not be peace until uh, both the Palestinian people and the Israeli people um, have their own sovereign states for themselves. And the Palestinian people have a homeland where they can go and can have their own sovereignty and control their own government. And the uh, Israeli people have their own home where they have their own government. And I think ultimately that's a place we need to get. But that's, uh, you know, a little beyond what I'm able to solve uh, as a as a lay person. So, um, and reparations for Palestinian people, a lot of them. So, we're going to do something different this time around. I'm going to seed my closing remarks because we had a very interesting question that I want to um, ask on from live and let Jackie answer it. Sure. And so, then I want to hear from Linda. Yes. And then after that, we want to, like, give Linda the final thoughts and, like, some ways that people can get engaged and active. So, this question comes from Becca Litt, and it goes, how do I deal with my apathetic Jewish family? My cousin <laughs> is currently in birthright as I write this and would rather ignore what is going on so that she can have a, quote, fun trip rather than ask questions about the occupation. Jackie? Yeah, um, and shout out to Becca Litt, who is a phenomenal member of If Not Now um, and has been fighting very hard for uh, freedom and dignity of all people, Israelis and Palestinians. Um, And I think that this is a really hard question that a lot of us as American Jews are faced with all the time, which is on the one hand, you know, how do we 
justify our politics and our political beliefs to our families and the other hand you know make sure that we're pushing our communities in the right direction and it's really hard right because if anybody knows like fighting with family about politics it's like you know you you it's hard to get anywhere with it um as somebody who later in life started to recognize the sort of the impact of my support of you know not that I had supported the occupation but just in my saying nothing right and saying nothing I I did in a way right and I think it's scary for American Jews to take a step back and think you know we hear about our own oppression and we hear about anti-semitism and we learn about the holocaust and pogroms that many Jews in this country were brought to the United States um, fleeing from right Um, so we hear about our own oppression and it's hard for us to reconcile with the fact that we could be involved in the oppression of anybody else but the fact of the matter is is that we are right that this is happening in our name that as Jews Jewish people in America, we are complicit in in these violent acts against Palestinian people, right? And so when we go on birthright and we try to ignore it, we're ignoring the suffering of other people, right? We're justifying it to ourselves. And I think that, you know, with family, it's important to, you're not going to change your family members' minds right away. It's just, you know, because that's how family dynamics typically work. But I think to just be persistent and, you know, Try to get your family to not shy away from these conversations. They're very difficult conversations. I mean, it's hard when people that you know that are close to you, it's happened to me, have called me anti-Semitic, like I said before, for my political opinions about Israel, right? That is so outrageous and offensive to me because it's saying that you are against everything you are as a person, right? Mm -hmm. Because you disagree with the actions of a government. Like that is how sick our communities are as Jewish people that we're willing to call each other anti-Semitic before we're even willing to recognize that there's a problem happening in Israel that we are in somehow uh, somehow complicit with. So, you know, I would like stay on your family, keep bringing it up. It's difficult, but it's important to have these conversations. Thank you for that, Jackie. And Linda, if you can just let us know some ways that we can be more vocal and make it help to make a difference in, in this, this battle for freedom and justice. Speak out and speak out for Gaza. Be on the right side of history. You know, decades ago, people in this country stood up against the Vietnam War. And then decades after, people and brave Americans stood up against South African apartheid. And this really is the global justice cause of our time. So speak out, educate, and just in honor of... Malcolm X's birthday yesterday, 93rd, his 93rd birthday, he said something that I'm going to paraphrase that I think people need to take to heart. Keep your, keep, be wide, wide ears, wide eyes, and listen to what everybody has to say about this particular issue. But at the end of the day, you need to come to your own conclusions, take what you said, because if you take what other people say without you coming to your own conclusion, without doing your own exploration, you might find yourself hating your friends and loving your enemies. And I think that that is very, that's exactly what's happening. We take information without trying to deconstruct it ourselves. And me personally, that's not how I operate. I, I learn from everybody, but then I come to my own conclusion. So stand up for the Palestinian people, call your members of Congress, and tell them to speak out. There are people running for president that we know that are literally silent and are not saying anything. You cannot be the president of the United States of America if you do not have a position or are not saying anything about the massacre of the people of Palestine and what this current president is doing in Israel Um, with his very misinformed and ill-informed decisions that he's making. And I appreciate you, my sisters, for all of your work. Thank you, Stan Lee, and thank you so much for having me on your show. Linda, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you so much, Linda. So, guys, this is it. We are actually late, and next up is Greg with Underdog Stuff. We're so sorry, Greg. We just had to wrap it up and really, really wrap it up. But, guys, we'll be back next week with another action-packed episode of Let Your Voice Be Heard, and we want you, to, as always, to be a part of this conversation. Until then, you can hear us on podcasts wherever you get your podcasts, literally wherever you get your podcasts. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard.